0: hello to everyone we're thankful for another opportunity for us to get to look into and study the word of god thank god for his goodness and mercy upon us and uh, if you're listening to this day or two as after it comes out then it's certainly christmas time and we want to wish a merry christmas to you to your family Uh, hope the lord has blessed you immensely not naturally but the spiritual blessings those are the one that matter Many people in the world are blessed with lots of good things in the flesh. Very few are blessed with spiritual knowledge and understanding and the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Certainly, that is the message and that is the blessing of Christmas is that the Lord Jesus came, gave himself for our iniquities and sins, that we could be forgiven, that we could be saved, that we could have life through his name. So we thank you for taking the time to listen to us. We hope that we could be a help to you again today. Thank God for allowing us to to do this as he has another year. We're certainly thankful and grateful to him. For without him, we certainly wouldn't have the desire to take the time to do this. We wouldn't have the desire to know the word of God. This is all a product of the work that God done in us to make new creatures out of us. He certainly, uh, brought the good that's in us is of him the evil that's me uh, but we're thankful to him of his mindfulness his mercy his goodness upon us that he brought redemption to us by the word of God and the spirit through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we are justified today through the sacrifice of his son thank God for all of his wondrous wondrous works so if you want to look with us again, we're still in 1 Kings chapter number 21. And, uh, we've been a few weeks in this chapter. We've saw Naboth and his vineyard. We've saw Ahab's lust for that vineyard. We saw Jezebel's wicked plot in order to slay Naboth and get him out of the way. It couldn't be just go kill him because that would make them look guilty and odious to all of the people. So it had to be done under a ruse, under a a sham, of a truth, under deception, deceiving everybody round about as to what's really going on. But God was aware of the wicked plot. God was aware of the murder. God was gonna bring judgment because of it. And so here is the Lord sending Elijah Now, after the plot has been carried out, Ahab's going to inherit. Well, God's going to have his man to meet him down there and deliver the message. And the message is one of judgment. And friends, that's the only message that we can get out of the word of God if we're going to rebel and be disobedient to the words of truth. If we're not going to come to Christ for redemption, The only message there is for us is a message of judgment. Now, Ahab says, you're my enemy. Well, that's not entirely true. He had made himself the enemy of the word of God, just as mankind does today. Man has made himself the enemy of the word of God. And therefore, the message that comes is one of judgment. And so we saw last time the message that Ahab had for or that Elijah had to Ahab and to Jezebel that God's going to cut them off, He's going to cut their family off, and Ahab's not going to have anybody to inherit the throne. He's not going to have a son that's left. The dogs are going to lick his blood, and that Jezebel's going to be eaten by the dogs. Well, that's more than we can bear. Well, I'm going to say that the wickedness they performed, it's a just punishment for the wickedness that they had performed. And God's judgments will be just in the very end. And so now we've come down to verse uh, 25. Elijah has spoken the word of God to Ahab. And now we're going to take a little time out here for a couple verses. And God's going to tell us his view of Ahab. So in verse 25, but there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. So God says of Ahab that there was none like him. He had sold himself completely to evil. There was nothing that was off limits to him. There was nothing that he wouldn't restrain from doing if it brought pleasure and pleasing to his flesh. It didn't matter if it was murder, if it was uh, stealing, if it was uh, wh- wh- whatever that that might be. He was willing to do that, that he might have that, that his flesh desired, and there was no evil that was too far for Ahab. Ahab was, the very meaning of the word, depraved. He was reprobate and void of judgment. He was in a place of strong delusion, a place where sin and that that was wrong was good and acceptable in his sight, a place that even the murder of a man and his sons was good and acceptable in his sight because he gained from that. He sold himself to evil that he might have pleasure. And there's where man is today. Man sells himself, he gives himself that he might have that that pleases himself, because he loves himself above everything else. There was none like to Ahab, who did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Now, where are we gonna work that is not in the sight of the Lord? I feel like this is said so often, but perhaps it, it we ought to be reminded that all things are naked and open before the eyes of the Lord. There is nothing covered up. There's nothing that's hidden from God. God knows everything from our innermost secret thoughts and desires out to that that's done wide open for everybody to see. God knows every ounce of it. And Ahab here, he's not even trying to hide his wickedness. He's open about it and performing it openly and doing it in the very sight of the Lord. No thought whatsoever as to what God says and as to what God thinks and as to what God's going to do in return for that. There's no consideration of God whatsoever. And that's the way man is today. Man goes on in his life. He does as he pleases. He does as his heart desires with no thought whatsoever as to what God says regarding what we're doing. As to the judgment of God towards the actions that we take. You reckon God ought to be considered in our life? I believe he should. But Ahab, he wrought wickedness. He told and labored for sin and for pleasure in his flesh, in the sight of the Lord with no thought about God, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. So not only is he wicked and willing to go as far, but he's got a wife at home that's just like or worse than he is. And so not only is he willing to do, but he's got a wife at home stirring him up as well. And what a detriment, my God, what a detriment to have a wife at home that is of no value when it comes to the spiritual things of God but stirs up even greater rebellion and sin and says, don't worry about what God says. Don't worry about Elijah. Don't worry about the prophets. Don't worry about the church. You just go right on in the way you're going. And she was helping Ahab To bring the judgment of God upon his head. Boy, the one that's supposed to love Is that not the way our world is today? The world pretends to love and to care for people. The world pretends to want the best and want people to enjoy life and want people to have good lives and the the doctrines that they promote and the teachings that they give out is leading those that they say they love right into hell and into the open arms and judgment of Almighty God. Man is falling into the wrath of God and he's being led there by those that he thinks loves him. But the problem is they're all deceived. Our world is deceived. Our world leaders are deceived. Families are deceived. And those that they look to and love from grandmas and parents and husbands and wives, people are blind to the truth of God and they stir man up to rebel more and more against the truth bringing the judgment and the wrath of God upon their own heads. Jezebel's at home and she's stirring up Ahab. You reveal just a little farther. Why don't you sin just a little more? Why don't you do this? And her judgment is as wicked as Ahab's and she's leading them both farther into the judgment and the wrath of God. And the Bible says, and he did very abominably, not just wicked but he did very abominably in following idols. So he took God out of his place as being the God, the supreme being, the one worthy of all worship and honor and praise, and he put idols in God's place. He replaced God with an idol, with a statue, however you want to look at it. So you think about that. Why, why would you replace God? Because God's word has judgment towards sin and ungodliness. God's word does not allow man free reign to live and do as he wants. God's word says those that live in pleasure, those that continue in sin, those that have no dedication to God's house, those that will not humble themselves to the word of God, those that are not changed and made new creatures, those that the Holy Spirit does not live in, they are not saved and they will not get to heaven. They will be judged and they will be destroyed. See, that poses a problem to man who is not changed. Who's not repentant? Who's not indwelled by the Spirit? So what do we do? Well, instead of repenting and getting that that's out of order, put in order, what man's going to do is, well, we'll get rid of God. We'll get rid of the gospel. We'll get rid of the word of God and we'll get us an idol that'll tell us what we want to hear. So Ahab forsook God and said, I don't want to serve him. I want my own pleasure and my own way. And in order to do that and do it without his conscience to trouble him, he replaced God with an idol. Now, I realize there's not many idols, especially in church circles today, that people are bowing down to in worship. But I believe you could say this, that the word of God has been replaced with a feel-good, pat you on the back, Everybody's going to heaven. All you have to do is believe. Type of gospel. The truth of God about man being changed and made new creatures has been replaced with, well, they believed and they made a profession. The word of God about a man being caused to follow the word of God by the spirit that indwells him, overpowering him, has been replaced of, well, you don't have to do works to be saved. Now, that's true. We're not saved by works, but if we're saved, that salvation, that spirit that's within, will produce works within us. Well, we don't have to do that and the word of God in Corinthians and in Romans that those that live these open sinful and wicked lives those that depart from the church in the book of 1 John those that commit these sins and live this lifestyle and leave the house of God they are certainly not saved that's been replaced with everybody saved and whoever it is at the funeral home however they lived they made a profession in the hospital they made a profession when they were children and they're in heaven just like everybody else. You know what's happened? The very truth of God and God's own word and spirit has been replaced with that. It's a false God and a false gospel and a false truth very abominably. Not only is it deceiving and bringing Ahab to destruction Not only is Jezebel falling into destruction but by replacing God with an idol he's led all of Israel into sin right behind him. And these people, these families, these churches that have replaced the truth of God for a lie they're leading their own children and their own family, their own friends and loved ones right into the same destruction that they're heading for. By replacing God very abominably. Now, Jesus says in the New Testament, pretty popular and well-known scripture, Jesus says that if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better that a millstone were tied about your neck and you be cast into the sea. So what about those that replace the gospel that won't stand for the truth but that allow a lie to go forth? And they lead their own children down that same path. Do you reckon that could be part of what he's talking about there? I believe so. And that's what Ahab did. Following idols. And not just anyway. But according to the things as did the Amorites. So you know what the Amorites were? They were a nation of Canaan that was there before God brought Israel in. They were wicked. They were idolatrous. They did not know God. They did not serve God. They served their own wicked desires and pleasures and lived in sin. And God drove them out of the land because of their wickedness. So Ahab is going to turn loose from God who delivered from Egypt, who gave life in the Holy Ghost. He's going to turn from God, the Savior of the world, and he's going to hold fast unto a God and unto idols, that their own people were destroyed in judgment. that sounds like a very foolish notion to make, but that's exactly what Ahab did, and that's what man is doing. Man is turning from the God of the Bible unto a God that is unable to deliver, unable to hear, because they are no gods. There's only one God, and it's the God of the Word, whom the Lord cast out, before the children of Israel. God had already brought judgment for this lifestyle back in the Amorites' day, and yet Ahab's going to follow along that way. God has brought judgment over and over again. We talked about that last time, and man's still going that way. So God's view of Ahab, it's not a very pleasant one. God says he's wicked. He's done very abominably. His wife Jezebel has stirred him up even more They committed great sin and rebellion and ungodliness and wickedness and evil. And the Bible says there was none like unto Ahab. But now in verse 27, now Elijah's come. Elijah said, Ahab, God's going to cut you off. Every male of your house is going to be cut off. You're going to die. There's going to be nobody in your family to take the kingdom from you and I'm gonna kill Jezebel and the dogs are gonna eat her. So a very, a, a terrible judgment from God has come. Now remember this as well, Ahab considers Elijah to be his enemy. Ahab does not like Elijah nor the word that he brings. And yet, in verse 27, and it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went softly. So Ahab hears this judgment. Ahab hears what God's going to do. And Ahab has heard and saw enough that he believes what Elijah says to be the word of God and to be true. So when Ahab hears this, it breaks his heart to think, and you know, I, I would say maybe, perhaps, even less about Ahab dying, but here his sons are going to die. Those that, that he loves probably the most, they're going to suffer because of his decisions, because of his actions, and they're not going to inherit the kingdom that he's enjoyed. They're going to be cut off as well. And so that, no doubt, brought great difficulty and sorrow to him. And so he rends his clothes, and he puts on sackcloth and ashes, and he's gonna uh to 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 sorrow. Now it doesn't say that he repented. And I I do not believe that Ahab repented here. I don't believe that he was sorry for the sin, but I believe this, he was sorry about the judgment that was gonna come as a result of his sin. Man may not be sorry for the sin that he commits in this life, but he'll be sorry when the judgment is handed down. So he put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. So I believe what you've got here is you've got a man that's sorry about the judgment that's coming, and he's saddened by the word that he's heard. His heart is broken, not because of sin, but his heart is broken because God's going to bring destruction upon him and upon his household. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying. So now God is going to speak again with Elijah here. Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. So God returns back and says, look, Elijah, look at how Ahab, has repented. Look at how Ahab and I'm sorry, it doesn't say that he repented, but it says he humbled himself. He recognized that God's word was the true word. He recognized that this was going to come to pass. As we've spoken. God gave him examples that I've already done this to kings before you and I'm going to do this to you as well. Ahab believed that this was coming. He had enough knowledge and sense to know that what Elijah said was true. Though he hated him, though he counted him as an enemy, yet he knew the word that he spoke was the truth. And I I believe that that's the case today. I believe that the men of God that are called of God, I've I do believe that they're hated in our world today. I believe they're counted as enemies by a multitude of people round about our community and in our families and in our churches. They're counted as enemies for the gospel that they preach. And yet it's known down in the depths of the heart these men of God that the Spirit of God bears witness to, it's known in their heart that what they preach is the truth. And I believe this. I believe God makes a distinction so great and so plain by the power of His Spirit between those that He's called and sanctioned to preach the gospel and those that that are uh, false apostles and false teachers and false pastors. God makes such a distinction that it cannot be missed. You think about the distinction he made between Elijah and the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. God made a distinction that was unmistakable and all of the people said surely God is God. Surely Elijah is the man of God. Surely this is the right way. It was undeniable and unmistakable by the work that God had done. I believe that's the case. And though they may count the man of God as the enemy and they may not want to hear what he's got to say and they may not like his message and they may not like him, yet down in the depths of the inward man, they know the men of God speak the truth and it made him sorry to hear this brought against him. So he puts on sackcloth and he goes softly and God says, Elijah, do you see how that he's humbled himself. Now, not repenting, not coming and laying his life down and saying, God, I've made an error. I want to change my ways and I want to change my doings. I want to be different because I've sinned and because I've failed the word of God, because I've not done as I've ought to do, because I've done so wickedly and been odious in your sight. I want to repent. I want to come to the word of God. None of that's happening. He's just sorry. He believes what the word of God says. He believes that it's going to happen and he's sorry that it's coming upon him. God takes recognition of the sorrowful heart of a wicked man like Ahab. Now, is there anybody that's more merciful and long-suffering with the wicked Like God is. Ahab's heart is saddened. And God takes pity on Ahab for his broken and saddened heart. And now the repentance here, you that might say, well, he repented here. Well, for those that would say that, I would say, look, God's not taking away the judgment. The judgment and the evil that God said he was going to bring is still coming. But God says we're going to let Ahab die and be cut off before that he sees all of the evil I'm going to bring on his family. Ahab's not going to see his kids slain. He's going to be spared seeing this judgment with his own eyes because of his sorrow. How how long-suffering that God is with man, and merciful. You know, that word mercy, it's withholding judgment that's true and right. God's going to be merciful with Ahab here, and he's going to withhold judgment that Ahab should receive. God did that with all of us. As we were in sin and in rebellion, God withheld that judgment that we were worthy of. That we might have opportunity to repent at the word of God. But now Ahab's Ahab's not repented. We'll see that in the next chapter. But God's going to deal very kindly, mercifully, and long-suffering with him. He says in Romans, what if God was willing? Let me just turn and read it. I guess a hard scripture and one that's probably not liked by a multitude. But verse 22 of chapter 9 of Romans what if God willing to shew His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy which He had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom He hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So what if God's mercy and long suffering to Ahab was to show the riches of his glory on those that he had called. There's there's no easy way to go through this, uh so I hope you won't be upset. But what's he saying there in Romans is that what if God endures with much long suffering on the wicked and on the ungodly, showing that they're not gonna repent of themselves, that it might magnify God's mercy and grace in them that are saved because we know that if God had continued to have been long-suffering and merciful with us, we would have never turned and repented at the gospel. You see how that is? So God's going to deal mercifully and kindly with Ahab, but Ahab's still not going to repent. So what's that do? That brings more glory to God for those that do repent because God called them and convinced them to do so. The glory and the honor and the praise goes to God. But there's one thing that God will not be accused of and that's not being merciful and long-suffering. For surely God is. There's no God in any doctrine or in any Bible or in any religion. There is no God long-suffering and merciful like the God of the Word of God. But also there's no God that's as pure, as just, and as righteous as the God of the Bible. The judgment's still coming. God's not sparing judgment. Judgment is coming, but he's going to be merciful in his dealings with Ahab. I thank you for your attention, for your time. Hope the word of God's been a help to you. And again, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Uh, we love you and pray for us. Lord willing, we'll be back next week.